this is Paul McGann, and you're listening to the Five-ish Fangirls Podcast. The head is a squeak continue all the way to episode 420 of the Five-ish Fangirls Podcast. How's it hard to expect us to enjoy a good mystery when we can't see anything? Welcome everyone to this week's episode of the Five Fan Girls Podcast. So glad you joined us. Let's start off like a dork with the virtual table and see who's joined us this week. This is Brittany and Belvedere. This is Holly from Wisconsin. And this is Rachel in Indianapolis, Indiana. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. And a happy Memorial Day to those that uh had the day off today. Mm-hmm. So, yay. Yes. Um, we don't really have a lot in the way of news, but we do have a little. Unfortunately, Chrissy's not here to talk about Salt Lake Fan X. Um, but uh, for those planning on attending and are in the cosplay community and want to participate in their cosplay contest you have to apply and applications are going to be open starting june 1st so i'm assuming depending on how many applications they get they may or may not offer walk-in contestants uh once the convention starts so if you're on the fence um Honestly, I would probably apply just to make sure you guarantee you get a spot. <laughs> and then if you can't make it, well, then your spot can go to someone else who maybe uh, can't apply early and it's going to try to walk up. In my humble opinion, based on my experience, pre-registering, always better. <laughs> mm-hmm. At least for you, it should make things smoother. <laughs> in my humble opinion so there is that um and then um for fans local or if you happen to be in salt lake city um in the next couple of weeks on june 10th they're going to be having a fan event with the hillywood sisters doing a screening of the good omens parody at uh one of the local movie theaters so they're gonna screen it they're gonna be a q a panel and a meet and greet uh so that is pretty darn cool so that's taking place on june 10th in sandy utah which i know sandy is a like a suburb of salt lake city essentially so that is pretty cool um and then we got a trailer for the Barbie movie, which finally we get an idea of what the actual plot of the film is. And it turns out Barbie is losing her Barbiness. And she must go to the real world to try and figure out what's going on. So those perfectly um Barbie shoe shaped feet go flat 
and madness ensues. And Ryan Gosling's Ken is there for the ride. Being all Ken-like. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So now we have an idea of what the plot is going to be. Yes. And now all the memes going around Twitter of different dynamic dual pairings and mugshots. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So... I like the and I like the little bit where she goes and and goes and approaches. I don't know. If she's supposed to be also a Barbie. She it's Kate McKinnon. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure, and, but she looks more like Cynthia. Uh, yes, <laughs> Cynthia doll than a Barbie. Um, so that's that's pretty funny. So and we do get a little little bit of. A remix of Barbie Girl that plays at the end of the trailer. So I was like, it's got to appear somewhere because they've supposedly said that Barbie Girl's not going to appear in the movie, but they didn't say anything about trailers. So that's pretty funny. So that is really it we do have a new episode of gold standard in the feeds so we're at episode 77 with the 2004 best picture winner million dollar baby cool so eastwood morgan freeman and hillary swank so Quite an interesting discussion because sports-related films are always an interesting discussion. (laughs) (laughs) Especially if it's a sport that none of us really know anything about. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So, moving on to feedback. First up, we got some feedback from Shalane. Um... And uh, she does talk about Guardians Three, but uh, so from I from what I could tell, there's not really any spoilers in her uh, feedback. So uh, she says, "Hey girls, so I did love Guardians Volume Three. Thought it was a roller coaster ride, and it turned out better. So uh, turned out better. Spider Man No Way Home." I think the only good MCU films so far of the multiverse saga are Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Spider-Man No Way Home, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, Black Panther 2, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, and Guardians Volume 3, which is almost all of them, actually. (laughs) That's good. Uh, One thing I have to say about James Gunn directing The Suicide Squad. I found out the first one he directed flopped at the box office along with Wonder Woman 84 and Space Jam 2. Probably because their Warner Brothers was doing the in-theater and on streaming the same day. Probably. Uh, Then last year they went back to just keeping the movies in movie theaters. And some stuff did better. And then some stuff still flopped. So... it's kind of, I think it's kind of hard to measure, actually, because stuff can still flop, even if it's just in the movie theater. Oh, yeah. So it's mm-hmm. like, I, unless you ask the people who watch stuff on streaming when it comes out streaming the same day it's released in theaters, would you have gone to see this in the movie theater if it wasn't available on streaming? If they said yes, then, or no, 
you know, that could tell you something. But stuff can go to the movie theater and still flop. Yep. <laughs> Heaven knows oh, yeah. we've talked about a few things that were released yep. only in movie theaters and were flops. <laughs> so. mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, so also fun fact, Space Jam is getting another sequel and I heard The Rock is going to be. Why does The Rock need to be in a Space Jam movie? <laughs> not sure about wonder woman getting a sequel now at this point wonder woman at least with gal gadot is doa at the moment so uh because they they wanted to do at least a third wonder woman with gal gadot but with james gunn taking over and them essentially rebooting the dceu um that's not likely to happen <laughs> Unless they keep Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman and just keep it as uh, work it so that her Wonder Woman still fits into this new vision that they have for the DC universe. Which would be kind of nice if they kept at least one or two of the people they already have. So. Right? Because <laughs> she's really good. She's a really good Wonder Woman, too. So. Like going back to Guardians, I love Nebula, don't we all? Um, because Karen's awesome. I started to love Gamora when the first Guardians came out, but since Endgame Nebula turns out turned out better. I also did love Rocket's flashbacks. They were cute. Well, some of them were cute. Some of them were devastating. Uh says Wayne Knights, who's gonna be at Salt Lake Fan X, was Tantor in Tarzan and Al in Toy Story 2. He was also Zerg in the Buzz Lightyear TV series, and he was a the pot dude in Hercules. Also, he was in Space Jam, the original Space Jam with Michael Jordan. Yes, he was. That's I'm right. excited for yeah, so I'm excited for Katie Sackhoff coming to Salt Lake Comic Con. I need to go and wear my Bo Katan shirt. You should. Uh it says they were gonna get David Bowie to play the collector in the first Guardians movie. That would have been awesome, actually. So, although unfortunately, if that had happened, he would not have been around to reprise the collector in Infinity War. Right. Unfortunately. So, unfortunately, that's the way things went. So. All right, and we got some feedback from Aaron. His subject line says, I love you guys. Which I know is a reference to Groot, but we love you too, Aaron. Who? Yeah. Says, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hello, my five-ish hosts. I am so, so sorry, but I know this is going to be a long one. I mean, it is, but compared to some others, Aaron is not as long. But it's all good. Long, short, we'll take it all. Yes. I'm so happy you decided to cover Guardians Volume 3 so quickly. My first Guardians, the first Guardians is my second favorite of the Marvel slate just behind Avengers Infinity War. And considering how just okay I found Volume 2 to be, I was skeptical but hopeful of Volume 3. I adored this movie. I'm a 
I'm a little of two minds because on one hand, this felt more like a Rocket movie than a Guardians movie, but on the other hand, Rocket is perhaps my favorite MCU character, so I'm kind of okay with it. Minor spoilers for Guardians 3, but not too bad. Mm -hmm. I think Rocket's journey across the Marvel movies has been such a grand existential story of him discovering himself, literally and metaphorically, and where he belongs in the universe. Throughout the movies, he constantly rebuffed the idea of being a raccoon, and I've always believed that's because he truly doesn't know what a raccoon is, as he's never seen another creature like himself. I don't believe he or his caged friends have any memories from before they were operated on. At the end of this movie, him finding out that he is indeed a raccoon, his emotions are not only amusement about finding out Quill was right all along, but an onslaught of mixed emotions at discovering what a raccoon is and where he has come from. The buildup of him making this discovery was so heart-wrenching for me, but not my breaking point. I know many were expecting at least one death, and my prediction was Drax. I just had this feeling he was going to sacrifice himself somehow, and his final words were going to be about finally seeing his wife and daughter again. This movie proves that sometimes the most shocking ending is not having a surprising ending. That is true. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, if you get known for shock, people are going to expect it, and the expectations, right. you're just going to get higher and higher and higher and higher, and eventually you're not going to be able to meet those people with expectations. Go talk to M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh huh. My breaking point is Groot calmly telling the crew, I love you guys. It was so unexpected and it broke me. The fan theory you all discuss about us understanding his language was actually confirmed by James Gunn on Twitter, and I love it. Although it creates a small plot hole in Avengers Infinity War, and as Thor can instantly understand Groot because Thor claims to have taken Grootish as an elective on Asgard. Oh well, I can live with it. I, I mean, I think it still works. Yeah. I think you can either learn Grootish, ish because mm -hmm. it is a language just like any other language, so in theory it should be able to be learned, or yep. you just pick it up over time. Right, yeah. So it's the difference between actually like sitting down and taking a course or just immediately immersing yourself in it and learning it that way. If you've ever seen um the movie either version but i only know the the remake of sabrina mm -hmm. and she goes off to paris and she doesn't know french at all so she's like when all these photographers because she's helping out in like the fashion industry and at first see like these photographers are just stop her yelling at instructions <laughs> at her in french and she's like blah 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 you know grabbing the wrong thing but then eventually when she makes her triumphant return back in america she's like fluent Mm -hmm. and she I, I doubt she ever actually took like a proper course she just learned it by immersion so yep i, or I think to, it yeah or to paraphrase the rotel Luado, why not both Por que no los yeah. Dos? <laughs> yeah both theories are good then they work yeah i mean i've been i've been taking i've been trying to teach myself french with a, a, a mobile app for over a year and slowly but surely i'm getting there but uh, odds are immersion i would probably do i would probably pick it up a lot faster or <laughs> so. next best thing any favorite movies of yours check mm -hmm. out the audio language see yeah. if there isn't a french version pop that on at least you know the storyline and you yeah. can put on the english closed captioning then you're good <laughs> yeah that's another way to immerse yourself <laughs> yeah 
So, so yeah, I, I, I don't think it's necessarily a plot hole. I think it's just, uh, just the way people learn languages mm-hmm. that are not their native ones. So. Uh, finally, I love the use of the MCU's first f bomb. <laughs> Why I find it so funny is because this old rickety car that Nebula has trouble opening would be the newest kind of car that Quill would have known, having been abducted in 1988. So for someone so futuristic as Nebula, be so confused by something as primitive as a manual car door is hilarious. As someone who remembers that automotive transition, I found it quite funny. I remember my parents being so excited about magical locks as they were advertised when locking the driver door would also lock the others. Magic! What I think would have been even more amusing post credit scene is cool back on her struggling to unlock a modern car door not knowing what a fob is or how to use <laughs> Especially those ones True. now where you don't even need to start the car. Right, Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that might not be that foreign for Quill because that's probably very similar to a spaceship because most spaceships don't require keys in an ignition. You push a button. So True. maybe yeah. that would be closer to what he understood. He just still doesn't know how to drive a car, though. So, um, But yeah, that is funny. <laughs> that reminds me of a story that I have no idea if it's true. It's just one of those that gets passed around the, the internet every now and then. Story of this, yeah, presumably a guy walking to, into a, a store or something and he sees this girl, young girl outside her car crying and he goes up and he's like, what's wrong? She's like, uh, the lock on my car or no, she says the battery in my in my um key fob is broken so i can't is dead so i can't get into my car <laughs> and he proceeds to take the actual key put it in the lock and turn it in the car <laughs> <laughs> which is fine unless you have a car that also has an alarm system because for a while there chauncey's key fob um was broken and the place was out of batteries for for whatever reason um or it needed to be reprogrammed or something it, it was not something that was like a real quick fix um and uh you could unlock the card with the key but it would set the alarm off oh, <laughs> until geez. you actually got until you actually got in the car and shut the door and then <sighs> it would turn off <laughs> Yeah, it was weird. Hey, so, yay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, as always, thank you all for reading and continuing to produce this amazing podcast. Take care, Aaron. Thank you very much, Aaron. We appreciate you. Yes. And your back. So that is all of our feedback for now. So, um, so yeah, we will move on to this week's main topic, which is Brittany's big finish pick for her upcoming 
birthday, which as we're recording yes. this, is this coming Saturday, I believe? Yep. So this time around, we are back with the eighth doctor and Charlie. Yes. With really kind of the end of Charlie's run in the kind of main line, which the eighth doctor is a little screwy when it comes to the main line. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Although obviously Charlotte continues to appear. um, But this kind of bookends actually her first, our introduction to her, um, which we've already covered. Um, So that's uh in storm warning so that's uh pretty awesome so this is set at christmas which you would think a christmas story in the middle of in late may why actually it felt kind of nice all the mentions of snow because today was really hot (laughs) so i kind of appreciated the mentions of snow (laughs) i will still take the heat over the cold, but <laughs> but the imaginary snow. But hope. the imaginary, yes. you know, just the thoughts of looking out the window and it's blowing snow and it's Christmas time, you know. Yeah, whatever. Um. So this is this is even though it's a Christmas story, this is almost a Halloween story because that's creepy. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I I was almost like, wait a minute, is this the one with the because there was that one other audio where it was real creepy, but it was with that with the kid and mm-hmm. that mummy. I was almost half expecting that voice to pop back. I'm like, wait a minute, yeah. no, it's not that one. The the title <laughs> escapes me of that other one, but it oh, this I can't. I don't know how many times I've listened to this one. I try to listen to it like once or twice a year. This this, this one, one is good. yeah. From from what I read, this one is. Very, very popular, very hyped. Some of the yeah. reviews I read, people are like, I heard this had a lot of hype. I wondered if it was going to live up to the hype. And most of the time they're like, oh my God, it does live up to the hype. It, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm there. It does. It does. And then some, the, fa- the fact that they re-released this on it for its 20th anniversary yeah, on vinyl something. as something. a special release says something. <laughs> Yep, because <laughs> this was released in uh february 2002 mm-hmm. so this is uh release number 29 um so but yeah this is um it is extremely extremely popular um and definitely one where you don't really get it until you get the to end. the fourth part mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just yeah. like just like our last chrissy's um yeah big finished pick <laughs> yeah yeah so um so i will admit i've only listened this is the first time i actually listened to this one so oh, wow, really <laughs> cool <laughs> so what I mean, do you like think? You, first impressions. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, come I, on. Re- I <laughs> liked it. I mean, I really liked it. You know, I, I love, I love Paul McGann in uh, India. 
mm-hmm. together. Oh yeah, you know, the, 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 good, the they got a good chemistry. Yeah, the good ke- the chemistry between the Eighth Doctor and and Charlie is um very um fun to listen to. The, I mean, I the Eighth Doctor. The yeah, the Eighth Doctor is very. I think of compared to some of his other incarnations this doctor is very patient oh yes 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 this one has way more patience for his companions back he's more to quip jokes and rib yes. and have fun yeah and he also is very curious mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he let he lets his companions curiosity feed his own Instead of yes. feeling like he needs to be the smartest in the person in the room, like uh-huh. a lot of the incarnations do, this one when he doesn't know something, he can get frustrated. Like this, what you know, uh, we get to the point where like three quarters of the way through or something, and he's like, "There's something I'm missing, and it's staring me in the face, and I just can't see it." And it's Charlie, that, right? That that points it out, and. Yeah. He doesn't get upset that she figured it out before him. He's excited. He's like, mm-hmm. yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he treats he... them on an even even level. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, Charlie is very, I mean, she's 19. So she's very young mm-hmm. um, and not a lot of world experience. I mean, she, she grew up in the, uh, not the Edwardian. I mean, not the Edwardian, because the Edwardian was only till the ni- 1910. Um, and uh, she she's born in like 1912 or something like that. So, um, but, uh, you know, it's still, um, yeah, she grew up in, you know, a higher class, an upper class home um you know she was well off but she was you know very much treated like a lady of her station and you know for what we know from storm warning is you know she wanted she wanted adventure she wanted to more than just sitting around with ladies in their knitting or you know sewing circles gossiping about the latest neighborhood gossip and that's why she went and stowed away on the r101 which is mm-hmm. how she ends up meeting, you know, the doctor. Um, and now going on all these adventures. Um so she is uh but this putting the them landing here in nineteen oh six, while it's a little bit before her time, it's familiar enough that she's able to see things and recognize things. That the doctor probably would eventually, but the doctor has a lot of information stored up in that noggin and yes. can't always access it. <laughs> it takes <laughs> right a little away. while to, to yeah. knock free. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes it takes a little while to find the file and open it. Um so um this this works out really well that it's in a in a in a situation in a time period where Charlie kind of has the upper hand um, when it comes to information. So, uh, and it turns out that kind of the, the you know, the, the twist with this is uh, one of the characters is someone that she actually knows. 
um, someone, someone from her, her childhood. Um, so, but before we find that out, it's kind of a murder mystery with, you know, murder mystery in a upstairs, downstairs, Downton Abbey kind of thing, except we're only getting the lower class. We're only getting the servants of the house. Um, and really, we're only getting a very small number <laughs> of the servants of the house. You know, we're getting the butler. We're getting the chauffeur, chauffeur, the lady, you know, the lady's maid, essentially, you know, um, the cook and the scullery maid. Uh, so, um, but this was pulled from um, a lot of stuff that would have been set in that time period, uh, you know, upstairs, downstairs, uh, Agatha Christie. Um, although Agatha Christie was not, as the doctor mentions in this, Agatha Christie was not published until 1920, uh, but Agatha Christie would have been pulling from her experiences of the, of the, the, the era before that. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, so, um. It's uh, but if you've ever watched anything like that, you know, upstairs, downstairs, downtown Abbey, Gosford Park, if you've ever seen that movie, um, you know, so, uh, yeah, yeah, but then you also have a little bit, you got a time loop, so you got a little bit of Groundhog Day in there as well, because mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. even if things happen slightly differently. The loop still happens, so I enjoyed this. I, I really, I really enjoyed it. I like the 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 cast. Um, yeah, I could easily visualize each of the the household staff, um, and what this big Edwardian manor house might have might have looked like. Um, so I really really enjoyed that so but you guys will listen to it more than i have so (laughs) (laughs) but no i mean spot on i mean you you hit the nail on the head with the things that are that i think the fans really fell in love with and it's it's the hype is worth it it's not there's something there (laughs) Yes. So why of all the big finishes you picked this particular one, Brittany? Yes. Um well I've always been like I love time loops and stuff like that. Like that's always been like one of my favorite um tropes. And it's like like I love they Doctor and Charlie. They're such a great team up. So like and this is like one of the first ones that I ever listened to think i don't know exactly how early on but it's definitely one of the top I don't exactly remember one but um and i really don't even and i listened to it quite a few times but when i was listening to it this time around i actually kind of forgot what happened so i was like trying to remember as it was going on like oh yeah this and that this is the reason and all that and i, and I love the mystery of it a really fun story mm-hmm. Even if it was at Christmas time, I don't. I listen to it 
whenever. Yeah, I mean the fact that it's Christmas, obviously it's Christmas references because it's, it's mm -hmm. Christmas Eve actually is when this takes place. Um, between the hours of ten and midnight on Christmas Eve, um, because the time on the clock is very important. Mm hmm. But uh, yeah, I thought I knew what the maybe what was going on because when they the the doctor and charlie first land in this house like it's it seems to be like frozen in mm -hmm. time but then charlie can hear some of what's going on and some of what's like the fire is still going and it's keeping room warm and you'll burn something if you put in it, but the flames aren't moving. Yeah. You know, the wind is blowing outside and the snow is flowing sideways. It's like a blizzard outside, but they're not hearing the wind. Um, you know, Charlie writes her name in the, the dust on the table and it disappears. But Edith stays. Um, oh, I thought maybe it was like, um, what's that story? Um... Was it Hush? It's Eleventh uh, Doctor and um, oh. Clara with mm -hmm. the, the ghosts. Oh, yeah. What they think is a ghost. Yes. Where it's mm -hmm. like I thought maybe it was something like, like they or whatever. It's either the Doctor and Charlie or the people in the house are like on a slightly different plane of existence. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, I which I think in a way it is it is kind of that and they had to interact with it to a certain point to be able to like get through that veil mm -hmm. um, but the fact that it's really because time is being messed with by this being that we don't know what it is yet and it turns out that it's actually the house itself right <laughs> So, they got um, lucky that their street name was like like the person's name. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just a uh, uh, you know, something very British, you know, Edward Grove. Because mm -hmm. uh, you know, names uh, streets can get named after people all the time. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't think this. I don't think this story would work. You know, if it was set here in Annapolis on like Martin Luther King Jr. Street. <laughs> Yeah, that would have that would have a whole different thing. So. I'm sorry, sorry, Doctor King. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, and, and I didn't, and I didn't really realize that, like, like when they had the first loop, I was like, okay, we're doing the time loop thing. Cool. Yeah, and give us a sec. You know, another go round gives us a chance to experience everything again. Maybe pick up on clues, which is always a good thing, especially when you're doing something in in audio, mm -hmm. where all all of your clues are either sound effects or what's actually said. As I've given myself the hiccups. So sorry. Um, 
I inhaled my dinner. Oh. <laughs> so, pardon me. Um, but it wasn't till like when the the first time time around, and then people started forgetting Edith existed. I was like, well, Edith said that they would forget her eventually, so like okay. Um, but it wasn't till the second loop that the way that the household staff were acting really made me like you know tilt my head you know <laughs> it's you try to like okay this is a little weird because it's like because at first it seems like you know this guy this head of the house shaughnessy you know the butler who is kind of like the head of all of the staff generally yeah you know, was treating edith really terribly but she's a scullery maid so even even though they are considered the downstairs there's still a hierarchy right and being the Just scullery like maid she, yeah she's the like the lowest of the low even for the people that are on the low end uh it, so um so the way he was treating her while it was obnoxious and rude of him and all of them referring to her as being stupid and like both times that she gets killed are in ways that no way <laughs> no way somebody could do do to themselves even though both times Shaughnessy is like when the doctor is you know discovers and Charlie discovered the body uh he's like ah suicide a and the doctor's like uh no it's not you know it's not possible to drown yourself in this i mean people can drown in an inch of water so it's not the um, amount of water that's unplausible for Edith to die in, but the fact that like she would have been bent over like the edge of the sink to have stuck her head in right and kept yourself there when the you know your body's natural reaction to like save itself would have taken over um <laughs> is why the doctor says it's not plausible and then for the second time around she suffocates with the plunger which when they pull the plunger off is the most ridiculous sound mm -hmm. it, is, it sounds more like kissing sound effect you use in a cartoon when like right, bugs yeah. bunny plants a big one on <laughs> you know yep um Ugh. Sorry, I'm trying to get rid of the hiccups. <laughs> they're not wanting to go away. Um, and they're like, "Oh, suicide!" And it's like, "Yeah, you kind of need somebody to hold the other end of the plunger, <laughs> right? Yeah, it, kind of you person, know, force yeah. it, force <laughs> it there to get the get the suck suction, you know, to cut off the air supply." <laughs> yeah, we 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 aren't dealing with Daleks here in their plunger. Yeah. <laughs> exactly and both times like both shaughnessy and the cook and even mary you know the the maid are like well you know she was awfully st stupid baby you know she was so stupid that she didn't realize you can't kill yourself in that manner 
like so it's like they were so insulting to Edith mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it was like okay you know it's, it's a class thing whatever but then the second time I think that the doctor is questioning Shaughnessy um or maybe it's the first time because he doesn't he doesn't question Shaughnessy the second time he questions Freddy and Freddy's the one that dies um anyway one of the times that the doctor's talking to Shaughnessy and he's like how well did you know Edith and he's like well she's a skull scullery maid so i did that's all i needed to know as long as she did her job he's like okay how well do you know the rest of the staff intimately sir like what do you know about them well there's the cook and the chauffeur and the maid <laughs> and uh-huh. like, i was like okay yeah and yeah the fact that so, the, the, the fact that they were just like everything became so like there was no depth like they were uh, they were obviously playing a role and not realizing it that they were being manipulated and whatever was manipulating him was only giving the give feeding them the basis of information to try try and pull off this ruse was like my kind of aha like okay there's something bigger bigger going on here then yeah so there's some some sort of force that is obviously very strong but also also not caring too much about making the the this facade very believable does that make sense yeah 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 so um so yeah that was uh that was kind of my like ah so and then it turns out the house is alive so yeah <laughs> i was like okay but why mm-hmm. yes that, that's kind of my thing is like what like the house is a lot is like is the house really alive or is the house just this manifestation of whatever this entity is. Yeah. Where's Sam and Dean Winchester when you need him with the Yeah, law? really. <laughs> <laughs> Though I'm, a, I'm afraid Dean would have gotten distracted by the plum pudding. <laughs> Possibly. I mean, it's not quite pie, but, but still, it'll do in a pinch. Uh-huh. Um, Especially if they use rum in it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's one thing that I was kind of questioning is like, is is it the house that's like did something happen that brought this house to life, and it has enough consciousness to be able to manipulate as much as it can, and then it gets like the. Cl- closest to being truly alive i'm doing very big air quotes here alive when it hits the top of the hour 
Because because that's the thing is like this house and where they landed is that an actual house in England in London? Like, could outsiders go to that address and and find a building? You know, a house there. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Good question. Or is the whole the whole thing a a manifestation? Will these hiccups ever go away? <laughs> Who knows? They will eventually. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean that's um because I mean really we find out that just Edward Grove uh um really just wants to feel alive. And the doctor, you know, kind of has a uh, a philosophical, ex- existential debate with him of, you know, if all you can do is feel alive when the clock hits the top of the hour and you commit a murder, that these pe- you know, these people won't remember, uh, and then it just resets it self at midnight so you're essentially living just the same two hours over and over again with slight variations it's like is that really living and honestly i think edward grove you know obviously the the um the way he's going about it is not the best um but at the same time you know like edward grove is kind of like is you know just even the the day to day mundane stuff is still is still living, which I think mm-hmm. it kind of makes a good point. You know, life does living does not mean necessarily big adventures and excitement and drama and whatever. The mundane stuff is is living as well. Mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a part of life so i i would say Edward grove kind of has a, a a bit of a point i just think it's way going about it is really wrong uh, mm-hmm. um so but then it you know i i guess we i mean the more i think about the more i think that i don't know if this whole if the whole thing is just a manifestation except for edith the fact that edith is a person who actually existed right and had been a scullery maid before she worked her way up to being a cook and happened to be the cook at charlie's father's estate and made the plum pudding every christmas um because Christmas isn't Christmas without plum pudding. Uh, I like how they all said that exactly the same way. <laughs> that right. was also a kind of a clue. It's like, I think you guys are programmed. You're right. not actually got free will here. <laughs> you know, you're just doing what you know, your master has, has essentially programmed you. <laughs> they all say it the same way. It's Christmas it can't be Christmas without cook's plum pudding so 
and even like the way they act like they've been taught they've been programmed to 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 make sure the doctor does not like try to leave or go to the the upstairs part of the house <laughs> and i thought it was mm-hmm. so funny with freddie <laughs> and mary like the forbidden forest you cannot yeah. go in there <laughs> yeah because the doctor's like i want to go outside in the snow and uh you know freddie has got like the poker from the fire and then mary's got one of her kneading yeah needles. And you're like no the master told us if you try to go outside that we could we could use these <laughs> mary's yeah. like he was most particular about what i could do to you with my knitting needles and then the doctor's like <laughs> okay i won't go outside so then they just put like the poker away like that's good enough for me let's go back to what we were doing Oh, it's like, doctor, do you really want to be taken out by regular household items? No, <laughs> no. But again, it just it goes to show just how like non-detailed Edward Grove is concerned about, right? You know, built building up this story. Um. So, um. And then, and then you know the the people that do get killed. It all it all has something to do with their their job. So the first time he is, is drowned in the the sink of dishes. Second time it's the plunger. Mm-hmm. And then the cook is killed in the first go round, suffocated by her own plum pudding. And then the second time it's Freddie. Who's been ran over by the car he drives while inside the house. <laughs> and then Shaughnessy is still like, oh, suicide? And the doctor's like, yes. He he took the car he drives, brought it into the house, ran himself over, and then took it back outside before collapsed. I mean, and that's, you know, and this is like, okay, that has to be pretty wide to get that car in there. Because, I mean, cars back then, they weren't And the snow... It's like a blizzard outside. Yeah. <laughs> Did it transport it's like, itself in? Let's just get the salt, please. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, the doctor at one point is like, you know, I'm going to stick my neck out and say, it's another murder. <laughs> <laughs> Then somebody accused of Shaughnessy, and he's like, whoever heard of the butler doing it? Yeah. <laughs> so many nods to, like, murder mysteries, like, yeah. Agatha Christie It's usually stuff, nine so. times out of ten, it was yeah. the butler who did it. Yeah, or when, or when Charlie's all like, well, maybe it's somebody in the house we haven't met yet. And he's like, you know how disappointing it would be if the murder turns out to be something, someone that we haven't even met yet? <laughs> like, well... Sometimes it is. Sometimes right. it isn't. It kind of depends. Depends on the kind of story you're telling. So mm-hmm. I've been bitching criminal minds. So oh, you know, ooh. and sometimes sometimes you are introduced to the the, the person who did it early yep. on, and then sometimes you don't find out who it is until the till the till they figure it out who it is. So yep. and you've never really seen that person before. Sometimes they'll give you like glimpses. 
of like the person like in the shadows or stuff so so i kind of have murder mysteries on my mind anyway <laughs> so it's very yep. fitting to be listening to this while i'm in the middle of binging criminal vibes so. <laughs> oh yeah um so, no yeah. garcia or yeah the rest of the crew to come bail you out yeah unfortunately there's no garcia here so the doc the doctor and charlie have to be all of the uh the crew all at once so um so but it turns out that it's a paradox that is kind of feeding the entire thing the fact that why edith though why mm -hmm. like if yeah. all the other people are, are are made up why pull in someone who did exist is the thing yeah although you know edward grove says at the very end that for her if her death is is the reason he can live because it turns out that edith really uh was uh uh, um, attached to Charlie because Charlie was the only person who was nice to her, uh, you know, in the house. Because, uh, I like, I, I, you know, apparently Charlie's father and all the other, you know, upstairs folks kind of treated the downstairs folks, uh, not necessarily badly, but just weren't necessarily like openly nice to them either except for charlie charlie really enjoyed edith and really liked her you know edith made the plum pudding every christmas just for charlie because it was her favorite mm -hmm. um and then when charlie supposedly died on the r101 it turns out that edith felt like well there's nobody here who cares about me anymore so she ends up unaliving herself um but the fact that Charlie has not died on the R101 yet, spoilers, potentially, uh, <laughs> technically, uh, <laughs> on the R101, because the doctor pulled her out of that, you, you know, um, again, go listen to our review of Storm Warning, um, and go listen to Storm Warning. Um, yes, another but, good one. Yeah, but Charlie's diary had been found burnt up in the, the crash, so everyone thought that she died. Um, but now it turns out Charlie is actually quite alive, and therefore Edith he has to decide if she wants to live or die. And um, it's not until the Doctor and Charlie are able to break free of the time loop and then go back and tell edith that she's not a nobody she's not nothing she actually is important um that that may may it will change things for edith and what it means for charlie and her potential death tbd because we've got we have a lot more eighth doctor and charlie to, yeah. to <laughs> to cover in big fish because the whole the, the whole Char charlie pollard r101 thing is like it's a thing mm -hmm. it's it's a thing so 
Um, but yeah. Um, but yeah, this was a, this is, this is a fun one. It's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. We were talking last time about, you know, how, uh, cause, uh, Nicholas Briggs had done the, the, the last, the, the last one we did Chrissy's pick. Um, and how we were like convinced that Nicholas Briggs was going through like a emo period when he, he wrote that one. So mm -hmm. Robert Shearman uh, wrote this one. The one he did previous to this one, The Holy Terror. <laughs> Hello, Wilbishu. <laughs> Could they not be any more different? different. And just like last time. They're, they're not written by the same people, but I was like, could you imagine getting your big finish and being like, oh, you know, Robert Sherman. Well, I liked the last one he did with the talking, all hail the talking bird. This is so not all hail the talking bird. No. no. It's like big finish is like, how can we do two sides of the same coin, but both sides of that coin are vastly different mm -hmm. <laughs> so keep people on their toes when it comes to these big finish audios yes. it's like what the hell <laughs> oh, but yeah <sighs> I, I just read that and was like oh yeah this is vastly different than Robert Shearman's last one the holy terror I'm like no shit <laughs> hey Robert, we're all going down the dark side. Wanna join us for an episode? Yeah. Wanna join us for a story? He probably's like, oh Christmas. Ooh, Dickens, ghosts, death. He was on to something. Bingo! Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Or one of those generators. Oh, I don't have an idea here. Computer, yeah, really? <laughs> I guess. Spin the wheel and throw a dart at a few. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so let's talk about how this fits into the larger canon. Da, 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 da. Uh, let's see or just other bits of trivia so let's see the chimes of midnight was the first time that a companion created specifically for the auto range had been featured on the cover like i said uh, the story was released on final in a limited run of 500 copies um, it was a new cover design, and there is a new behind-the-scenes documentary that was recorded. Um, the cook, Mrs. Baddeley, is named after actress Angela Baddeley, who played Mrs. Bridges in the ITV television series Upstairs Downstairs, cool. which is also set in a large Edwardian house. Shaughnessy, Sha Shaughnessy, it's not Chauncey, uh, not even <laughs> spelled the same way. Shaughnessy is named after the show's script editor, Alfred Shaughnessy. <laughs> so, oh. Somebody was a big fan of Upstairs, Downstairs. Um, 
this is the second consecutive story in which the doctor impersonates a detective. Uh, the first one being Invaders from Mars. It's also the second story in a row set on a holiday of some sort, since Invaders of Mar from Mars was set on Halloween and it's on Christmas. The audio was streamed as part of the lockdown event. Uh, the doctor imagines opening the door of the house and seeing a void, claiming he has seen that before. This is a reference to the BBV audio drama Punchline, also by Sherman, which featured a thinly veiled seventh doctor. Uh, there is an in-joke in the story when the doctor mentions to Charlie that it wouldn't be fair if the murderer is someone with whom they haven't met yet, <laughs> as was sometimes the case in the classic series. <laughs> Um, and each cliffhanger was based on Sherman's favorite cliffhangers from the TV series. Part one's cliffhanger is based on the Space Museum Part One. Part two was based on Kinda Part Three, and Part Three's was based on Horror Fang Rock Part Three. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, Edith references some of the events in Storm Warning. The Doctor mentions the events of the Stones of Venice and Audie and Minuet in Hell, which we've not done either of those yet. Doctor mentions traveling for centuries without ever knowing where he's landed. Obviously, that goes all the way back to the very beginning. Um, this one we may need. This one's not a full, like, big audio because it's only two parts. Um, but if we're right about um neil patrick harris playing the celestial toy maker we may need to pull this one and do it because it's part of the companion chronicles it's called solitaire and okay. it's the eighth doctor charlie and the celestial toy maker Ooh, yes yeah since we don't really have any tv of the celestial toy maker uh unfortunately <laughs> We may have to uh, pull some to the big finish instead. So, but yeah, the the Edith gets mentioned in that one apparently. Um, uh, Edith was the only person who knew that Charlie intended to stow away aboard the R one hundred one and helped her prepare for the adventure, which apparently is in the audio, "The Fall of the House of Pollard." Uh, Charlie's mother was the one that discovered Edith's body. It's also in the fall of the House of Pollard. Um, the doctor's still trying to get Charlie to Singapore. <laughs> apparently, that com apparently that comes from Invader from Mars. Um, the 11th doctor seems to like custard, much like the 11th doctor. <laughs> uh, the doctor previously solved the riddle, when is a door, not a door, during his second incarnation in The Mind Robber. Oh, uh, that's right. That's right. Yep. It's like that's also Charlie's right. It's one of the oldest like mm -hmm. riddles slash jokes in the entire universe. Um, Mrs. Baddeley believes her plum pudding to be superior to Mrs. Beaton's. The second Doctor confessed that he enjoyed Mrs. Beaton's roly poly custard pudding in the audio "The Queen of Time." Ooh. Yeah, Charlie was born in 1912. She was 19 when she boarded the R101. 
Her father had a family house in Hampshire, at which Edith Thompson worked up to 1930 as a cook. Uh, Edith was evidently a fast learner, not as stupid as people presume, you know, claimed her to be. She was a scullery maid in 1906, had a romance with a chauffeur in 1926, and presumably still as a scullery maid, and committed suicide four years later as cook. So according to this, Edward Go Grove could become alive from the psychic residue of traumatic events. And from that, the fact that it's feeding off it for all eternity. It's an infinite loop. It actually evolved into something which is sentient. Mm -hmm. Together, the psychic residue and the fact that it's exposed to it forever is what gives it some form of life. That still doesn't tell us that the house itself is actually an existing house or and if the other staff are you know, psychic residue as well. Are those people that actually right. worked in that house at some point? If it was an actual house and Edith actually worked in that house and that was a house that she worked at as a scullery more made before she moved to the Pollard estate? Be interesting. And we'd probably learn maybe a little bit more if we listened to the the house of the fall the, the fall of the house of Pollard, actually. So <laughs> probably. I wouldn't be opposed to adding some of these to the list to yeah. do and listen to. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, like I said, we're going to have to pull the that uh, solitaire. Like I said, it's a campaign and chronicle, so it's only two parts. But uh, still. If we're right. <laughs> we should definitely be able to definitely try to reference uh, anything and everything we can get our hands on when it comes to the Celestial Toymaker. So. Yes. I really hope we're right. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. So, no, it just TD. Yeah, I mean, as, as much on, as a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's true. I mean, it, it is so telegraphed, and it's like you know, if you're gonna do something big and amazing for the anniversary, for an anniversary special, why not bring back not really an obscure mm -mm. foe, but just a a foe that people don't really know a lot about because you know the one tv story that the character appears in is not one you can get your hands on i do believe there is an audio with the actual dialogue with linking narration if memory serves for the celestial toy maker mm. i could be wrong though but i want to say Yes. Mm, yes, it is. It is available. <laughs> mm. I had to check my Audible account because it's like, I thought I picked that one up and you 
<laughs> I'm downloading it right now. Yeah. <laughs> Just to be on the safe side. Little prep work. Yeah. Yeah, because I, th- I mean, there's not a whole... I mean, obviously, because the Celestial Toymaker is the title of the first Doctor story that the Celestial Toymaker feel- appears in. Yeah. Um... But um, there is um, there is a novelization. Cool of the Celestial Time Maker. Um, it's based on concepts for the original TV story, which were abandoned due to rush production. So. Um, So it may or may not necessarily fit continuity. <laughs> um, um, the he does appear in a twelfth Doctor comic, Relative Dimensions. Okay. Um, as uh, with the twelfth Doctor and Clara end up in the toy room. So, um, and then he appears in Night the Nightmare Fair, but he's calling himself the Mandarin. <laughs> Tony Stark would like to have a word with you, Mr. Toymaker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. And then there's another comic called Endgame. Oh, shit. So yeah. Okay, yep. Doctor Who fans are also Marvel, right? All Mar- yes. Marvel fans. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and then let's see. And then he appears in some Seventh Doctor, Gods and Monsters, Black and White, and the Magic Mouse Trap. So. Yeah, we may just we may just have to maybe do a celestial toy maker like deep dive or something just because I'd be up for that. That uh, that might not be a bad idea again as we get closer to um these these David Tennant specials. Yes, <laughs> so. It, uh, knowing that we're not getting that one until the third special, um, we have a little bit of time. <laughs> yeah. So, but for those that just may not know anything about the Celestial Toy Maker, it might not be a bad idea just to remind ourselves of the character, his powers, what he's capable of, right? What sort of things he's done to the doctor and companions and other people in the past so uh because uh, knowing rgd helped maybe reference some of that uh yep. so, so i might not might not be a bad idea because you know everybody knows the daleks and the cybermen and blah 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 uh the master you know yes all the well-known known ones but the susto toy maker is kind of 
know, if you've not got into the comics or the big finish audios, um, and you've never, you know, not bothered to, you know, I don't know if anybody, you know, if there are any like, you know, slap together. Yeah, I, I want to say, I think the version I watched was i think maybe someone's put together like screen like telesnaps okay mm -hmm. yeah because the audio still exists i believe yes, yes. That's at least what some the of audible, it that's what the audible story is i'm not sure yeah. it's, it's an hour and 39 which yeah possibly jives i don't remember yeah. any notes saying that it was abbreviated yeah. yeah but the i watched watched air quotes um and i believe it was telesnaps and like just uh like slides with descriptions of what was going on <laughs> based on like i don't know notes script notes or whatever or what people remembered from when it originally aired for the people who were still alive at the time so um so yeah but the fact that there's a connection to the celestial toy maker in this audio i think it's pretty cool so mm -hmm. yes it's a sign! Mm -hmm. It's one of those serendipitous things that we did in podcasting and had no idea. Yep. So, good job, Brittany, even if you didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> I, I, we'll be just cool. Be you're like welcome. I didn't go did. Just be like yeah, Maui yeah. and just say you're welcome. Yep. <laughs> you're welcome. Nice one. <laughs> So, all right. Anybody got anything else? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Big finish. Keeping it going. Keeping it cool. It's all good. And this is, because uh, it's early big finish, this is one that's heavily discounted. I paid three dollars and some change after the uh monetary uh you know uh conversion <laughs> from pounds mm -hmm. to dollars so all right well if any of our listeners have thoughts on this big finish audio or the eighth doctor and charlie as a whole or even uh you know anything else we've we've talked about you know the celestial toy maker got thoughts about the celestial toy maker do you think we're right that neil patrick harris is playing the celestial toy maker <laughs> in one of the david Tennant specials Send us some feedback. Let us know what you think. Uh, you can send feedback to us via email, which is uh, fivishfangirls at gmail.com. Or you can go to our website, which is thefivishfangirls.com, where you can connect with all of our various social media accounts. And you can send us feedback pretty much to all those, you know. Send us a tweet. Send us a Instagram reel. I don't know what the kids do these days. <laughs> um, 
I'm 40 and therefore out of touch. Uh, <laughs> I stick to my little corner of the universe where there are lots of corgis for the most part on social media. So it's safe there. Uh, <laughs> um, and there's also uh, links on our website for the speaking of Doctor Who, the book club, which we'll have an update for next episode because we'll be in yes. June. Yes, uh, which is crazy. Uh, yep, right. and then, yep, and then also uh, various ways for you to financially support us if you are so inclined. We've got Patreon, we've got Kofi, we've got merch on Redbubble, um, and all of that fun stuff, and then information about our nonprofit Fangirls Give Back, which we've got some very exciting stuff coming, especially if you're coming to any of the conventions. That I'm going to be tabling at over the next three months. <laughs> so we've got some exciting, exciting stuff that's come our way from some very amazing companies. That yeah, if you're attending any of those events, you might be able to walk away with a little something. But more to that as we get closer to said events so but in the meantime you can go check out information about our nonprofit and ways you can financially support that as well you're so kind so all righty then well, if we don't have anything else then i guess we shall sign off for this week this is Brittany Dota saying goodnight. This is Holly from Wisconsin saying good evening. And this is Rachel in Indianapolis, Indiana. I've never actually had plum pudding. But now I kind of want some. Same <laughs> here. For listening to the Five Ish Fangirls. Please visit thefiveishfangirls.com for details on how to further support the show, along with information on our nonprofit, Fangirls Give Back. We love our Five Ish fam and appreciate all of your feedback, shares, and encouragement. Remember to keep letting your geek flag fly. <laughs>